Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you have. I think one of the most difficult to answer questions we've had throughout this year has been from student loan borrowers. As is so often the case, people who have a number of student loans aren't always aware of what kind of loans they have and what conditions come with them. And a lot of people have a combination of both federal loans and private loans. And the distinction between the two is gigantic. So through this year, if you have federal student loans, you almost certainly are aware that you have been allowed to not make payments and still be considered to be on time through the end of the year. And if you were in a public service loan forgiveness cycle, your months of non-payments count as months of loan forgiveness. If you have private loans, whole different story. Every private loan lender is able to handle the difficulties people may have had because of the pandemic, however they wish. And those loans, generally, the payments have to continue to be made. And even if they make any deal with you for forbearance, it doesn't mean that you avoid the interest through those months and that you're going to have to pay them. So the good news is almost all borrowing on student loans is in the federal program. It's generally people with professional degrees who have the lion's share of the very difficult to deal with private student loans. There are exceptions, but that's generally how it's played. With the federal student loans, start thinking now about how you're going to handle them come 21. It's possible that at some point in 21 that a period of suspension of payments will be passed by the Congress again. That could happen, but I'm not thinking that's something you should count on. But if you've been impacted, if you're one of the uh, tens of millions of people who've been economically harmed, impacted by coronavirus, the number one recommendation I have for you is to prepare to apply for an income-based repayment plan that allows you to be considered to be on time with your student loans. If 21 rolls around, you have to resume payments, and you're not in a position economically to make it, to make those payments. With an income-based repayment plan, the formula is used, it's possible you can be considered to be current even not making payments 
based on your personal financial situation, responsibilities, financial responsibilities, and your income. A lot of people have just turned this side of their mind off, and they're just going to ride through and in January figure out January. I'd rather you start thinking now as a federal student loan borrower, if you're going to be in a position to pick back up where you left off before coronavirus, or if you are going to need to proactively get involved in converting to an income-based repayment plan that will protect your credit standing and how you're treated by the federal student loan program once payments resume, whenever that is, whether that's January or later in 21. It's time for your questions for me at clark.com slash ask. Producers Kim and Joel take turns. Kim. Okay, this is from Julie in Florida. And Julie says, I know that we don't have to take an RMD this year, but if we did already take a distribution, can we roll it over or convert it to a Roth? Well, first of all, I should explain RMD because we're getting into lingo that a lot of people are like, a what? An RMD is something called required minimum distribution. And depending on when you hit age 70 and a half or age 72, you have to each year take a certain amount of your retirement funds out and pay taxes on them. So RMDs were suspended 420 uh, because of coronavirus and so people were able to stop doing their rmds if they hadn't done one they didn't have to take it but if you already took money you can in fact take that distribution and roll it over into something like a roth ira you'll still have to pay tax on the money as you would have but then you have some money in a Roth that can grow tax-free. And if you never need the money the rest of your life, a Roth IRA is a great asset for your survivors to inherit where a traditional IRA or traditional 401k money is lousy for somebody to inherit. And it's just the way the tax code is set up. So it's a great idea to take that RMD money and if you don't need it, put it into a Roth IRA. Joel? Clark Michael in Kentucky says, why do banks allow for car loans with a wide variety of years, like two, three, four, five, six, or more? But home mortgages, they're only 10, 25, or 30 years in length. Why not a 12-year or a 23-year or a 17-year mortgage? What's the deal, Clark? So the reason is is that uh, vehicle loans are generally what's known as held in portfolio meaning that the lender who makes the loan keeps it on his or her books. So if you go to a credit union, you go to a bank, or at a car dealer where two-thirds of loans are made, the car dealer's not actually holding that loan, except in rare cases. They're selling it off to or doing it as a retailer for a particular bank that then holds them on their books as the loans pay out. It's because the relative short length of a typical vehicle loan that lenders tend to keep them. So that's why there's maximum flexibility in the variety of vehicle loans. On the other hand, for mortgages, other than uh, credit unions, which many credit unions hold mortgages 
in portfolio, meaning on their own books. Um, credit unions can offer a wide variety, and the bigger ones tend to offer a very wide variety of mortgage products. The typical mortgage lender and bank offer only the types of loans for which there's a strong secondary market, which is 15- and 30-year loans principally, um, 20-year loans some will do because there's a smaller resale market for those, but there is one, and then 5-1 and 7-1 arms, which are not that big today, but there's still a marketplace for them. So that's why the mortgage market is so uniform because the lenders don't want to keep those loans on their books and they want loans they can easily sell off. You want an oddball loan for a mortgage? Go to a credit union. Kim? Charlene in Virginia says, Clark, I co-signed a credit card to help my grandson establish credit. How long does it take to establish credit and can I get off of this account? So usually with a credit card, you don't co-sign, you're a co-owner. And it would be unusual, and there may be a situation you've found yourself in where you did co-sign. But if your grandson has had this for a period of time, let's say a couple of years, by now has probably established a good credit score, should be applying for other credit cards on his own, And then with this one, either a release of you from the card, which they may or may not be willing to do, more likely not, uh, the better thing would be to close this account once your grandson has gotten two major credit cards in his own name, and then you're off the hook at that point. Joel? Clark Zach in California says, we have $800 sitting in our FSA dependent care account that we had accrued prior to stopping contributions. Once COVID canceled all plans for summer camps, we have until March 15th of next year to spend the funds, but I don't envision any opportunities for camps in our area of California before then. So do we have any options to avoid losing this money? This is just such a frustrating event. And when the election cycle is passed and the lame duck session of Congress looks at what the next uh, stimulus law will be, Doing something about the problems people are having with the dependent care allowances is something that needs to be addressed. There needs to be a one-year waiver passed by the Congress that will allow this money to be used at any point in 21 instead of just a short cycle into 21 because this is something that no one could have anticipated having the pandemic and to punish parents who were putting money aside in an FSA is really unacceptable. You know what happens with all this money? It goes to employers. They get free money if these accounts end up evaporating in the early part of next year, and that is unacceptable to harm workers in this way. The solution, though, has to come from the politicians. Kim? Matthew in Ohio says, I was wondering if Clark could explain the details of a Roth again. I want to be able to save the maximum I can in a Roth, but I think I heard you say the other day that I can take money out of the Roth anytime for any reason without penalty. And this is where I'm confused. If this is actually true, why wouldn't I prioritize the Roth over having money in a rainy day savings account? 
What a great question. So the Roth loophole is, remember, you're putting after-tax dollars in it. So when you put the after-tax dollars in that account, those dollars are available to you as needed. The earnings you have, though, must be left behind. So let's say you have a Roth for 10 years and you've contributed the max to it every year. So you have 60000 you've contributed, but the Roth is worth, let's say, 80000 90000 The $20,000 to 30000 you've earned has to be left behind, but you can withdraw the money you've contributed over those years to use for any purpose at any time without tax or penalties. So when I talk about the strategy of using a Roth as an emergency fund and as a retirement fund, the idea is you don't want to use it as a stash of cash if you can avoid it because you do need to build up that money for retirement. But it is a method people use to hit two purposes at once, saving for retirement and rainy day. And the way the Roth rules work, you can. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Robert is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Robert. Hey, Clark. How are you doing? Getting better every day. Great. How can I be of service? We're trying to figure out what to do with my wife's 457 funds when she retires from teaching for 25 years. Wow. Um, What grade did she teach? Seventh and eighth. A middle school teacher? Yeah, yeah. Your wife is tough. Because could there be a more difficult time to teach than like, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. I mean, those are difficult years to be in the classroom as a teacher or as a student. Well, if anyone can handle it, it's my wife. Well, good for her. So obviously Um, she loves it if she's done it for, you said 25 years? 25 years. Wow. So we have a traditional IRA for her, and my gut tells me to roll it into that. Is that the right plan of action? Yeah, usually so, particularly if you have the IRA at one of my favorite low-cost companies. Uh, it's not. It's with a regional bank. Oh, definitely get it out of the regional bank. Okay. So this would be a time for you to move the money to a low-cost investment house. Banks are good at what they do, you know, having checking, savings, credit cards, doing loans to people for stuff. But they're terrible as a place to have investments because banks tend to have extremely high cost investment programs. And so I'd really like for since this is a transition time in your wife's life that you look at the low cost companies on my investment guide and Mm -hmm. decide one of those to roll over the money from the 457 into an IRA with one of them. And when you figured out who that is, move the money from the regional bank handling the IRA to one of the investment companies. How old will your wife be when she retires from teaching? 
47, and that's what factored into our question is we won't need this money for quite some time. But also at 47, you know, you're looking at her maybe having lived only half her lifetime. True, but she'll also have a pension, which will start when she retires. So that means even more, the money should be at an investment house where it grows for a good long time. And that money over time can be used for so many different purposes far down, uh, way down the road that um, I would absolutely want her with, you know, when I talk about low cost companies, the three bigs are Vanguard, Fidelity and Schwab. Okay. And there are other low cost houses as well, but her money really needs to be working over the decades, invested building for needs that may be way down the road. And if she never needs it because she's got a pension uh, for other loved ones to have that money someday. And with that having been said, the one other thing, once her income drops, Mm -hmm. is, is you can afford it. She should be migrating portions of that money in the what will then be a traditional IRA into a Roth IRA. Because a Roth IRA, you have to pay tax as money migrates from traditional to Roth. But because this is money she may not ever need, traditional IRA money is a terrible inherited asset. Roth IRA money is a great inherited asset. And you can read more about why I love Roth so much on Clark.com, where you also find information on those low-cost companies I really want her to have that IRA with. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you have. On Clark Deals, historically, we have listed a huge number of travel deals. For obvious reasons, we haven't been listing a lot of those because the number of clicks on travel deals collapsed. But Americans are starting to get itchy feet again. The number of people who passed through airport security recently was the highest it's been since travel collapsed early this year. Still a tiny, tiny fraction of the number of people who used to travel. On a lot of days, the number of travelers passing through airports is back to numbers from two generations ago when air travel was much, much less a factor. But is people do venture out people are especially interested in where they can go and what the russians call the near abroad where you can go that you can get on a plane and in a few hours be in typically a fun in the sun spot americans have been very interested in going to places in the caribbean going to places in central america that you can get on a flight, and depending on where you are in the U.S., 
in two to three hours most often, you're able to be somewhere and feel like coronavirus is distant history. But history intrudes, doesn't it? So know this, you're going to see a lot more talk now that we're moving to the colder weather season. You'll see a lot more talk, you're going to see ads for travel to various fun in the sun spots. And you'll see people in uh, television commercials just smiling, having a great time on the beach and all that. And Americans have been much more comfortable about going to places like beach areas where your activities are principally outdoors, where the danger of transmitting corona is much less. But I want to tell you something that people are finding out by not doing their homework. There are very, very specific rules that vary by every destination. So if you want to go to, let's say you have friends who went somewhere and had a great time, and you think, oh, I want to go there too, know that you've got to check up front before you start spending money booking any kind of accommodations, air flights, whatever. What are the rules for you visiting? And they all have their own different rules. There's no uniformity about what kind of testing requirements you must meet. And it's really key that you know the proper testing requirements and how you get them done. In some cases, from a departure point airport, the airline itself will, for a fee, offer you the testing required for that destination. But you got to know that. You also need to be mindful that the accommodations you book at a fun in the sun spot may not be so forgiving if you fail the coronavirus test and can't board the flight and can't come. So you have to know in writing and only pay by credit card any deposits you owe what the rules are in the event you book a resort or an accommodation and then you're prohibited from traveling because someone in your party failed the coronavirus test. So do all the groundwork first before you book anywhere and know what's required for you to be able to go. So all you have to worry about is making sure you have enough sunscreen so you can enjoy that adventure and not end up looking like a lobster from a sunburn. So uh, one other development I wanted to mention to you, throughout coronavirus, two of the major airlines have blocked middle seats, Delta and Southwest. And now Southwest is no longer going to block middle seats after the completion of the Thanksgiving holiday. So if you book for Christmas and New Year's travel periods on Southwest, they're going to potentially fill every seat on a plane. And there will no longer be that separation. Now, the study at MIT found that there was a significant safety benefit from having middle seats blocked, that your chances of getting coronavirus were um, almost half as risky when middle seats were blocked as when they're not. I hope I said that in a way that made sense. You have a one in 4,000-something chance of getting coronavirus 
on an airline that does not block middle seats. So one in 7,000 something chance when they do block the middle seat. So you can see the difference. In either case, flying because of the masking requirements that all airlines have makes flying much less risky than other activities where people are in enclosed space, including the fact that they have the HEPA filters for circulating fresh air continually on a plane. But it really is interesting that Delta and Southwest really had this as a great customer assurance thing, and Delta is sticking with it till after the Christmas, New Year's holiday period. Southwest says, you're done with that safety after Thanksgiving. It's time for your questions you posted for me at clark.com slash ask. And I'm going to guess. Kim, is it your turn? You are wrong. Oh, not wrong. Quite. Not oh, quite. Man, I thought I had it this time. All right, Joel. <laughs> All right, Clark. This one comes from Ron in North Carolina. He says, I have an online bank account. It was recently offered an opportunity to enroll for ID theft protection, including up to $1 million insurance for legal expenses reimbursement of stolen funds, lost wages, and more covered expenses. This protection would cover up to 10 children, too. The cost is $15 per month. Is this a good deal? No way. Don't waste your money. If you want free um, identity theft protection, sign up for a Credit Karma account, and you get it with that. But none of these supposed great things are anywhere near as valuable is taking the steps of doing what's known as a credit freeze, where you lock down a criminal impersonating you and applying for credit as if they're you. Credit freezes are completely free. They're very easy to set up, and they're the easiest they've ever been when you need to do an application for credit to temporarily thaw your credit file. So don't spend $180 a year for false promises of protection. Go for real protection, which is doing a credit freeze if you haven't done so yet. If you do want to put a credit freeze in place, set up a Credit Karma account first, because once your credit's frozen, you can't set up a free Credit Karma account. Get it set up, then freeze your credit, and you have the one-two punch that you want to have to protect your identity. And Kim, it's your turn now, really. For realsies. All right. No worries. This is from Brian in Illinois. And Brian says, my employer is offering some unusual new insurance options during this year's open enrollment. I can now select accident, critical illness, hospital indemnity, and voluntary short-term disability insurances. Do any of these options provide enough value to consider purchasing? Short-term disability is the only one of those that I believe in because what it does is in the event you can't work for a period of time till long-term disability insurance would kick in, it's generating um, replacement of income for you, usually at 60 to 70% of your normal income. I'm much more interested, though, in long-term disability. Because we have a, uh, unfortunately, a decent chance sometime during our working lifetime that we might become disabled for a period of time or for the rest of our key working years. In fact, you're three times more likely to have a disability during your key working years than you are to pass away during that time. 
So long-term disability is the highest priority. Short-term disability is a nice purchase. The things that are for very specific kind of things like accident insurance, that kind of thing, I don't like those at all. I like broad policies, not narrow ones. Joel? Clark Jennifer in Texas says, I was planning on selling my house with a realtor. However, a family friend says she would like to make an attractive cash offer on the house. I know realtors typically make between 5 and 7% on the sale of a home. Do I have to use a realtor or can we make this transaction cheaper and easier somehow? You can. What I recommend, particularly with a family transaction, is that you go to a lawyer who does real estate closings and have he or she prepare the um, purchase or sales agreement for you and that they uh, make sure that all the things are done like both of you would want them done. You don't want to do something where the two of you do a back-of-the-envelope thing and you end up having hurt feelings within a family. Um, So having a professional make sure everything's buttoned up and agreed to up front is the better way to do it. In a case where the buyer is somebody who's already known to you, um, there is not the need for a real estate agent like they would normally be. Real estate agents play a number of functions in the sale of real estate and purchasing a real estate, but the principal one is helping a buyer and a seller get that match game done. You already have that match. Kim? Clark, Craig in Florida says, I'm looking to have my will and testament done. I wanted to find out if I can do this for free online or at a very minimum cost because... I've been unemployed since COVID-19. Are there any online services that are legit? Yes, and I'm sorry about the lengthy period of unemployment you have suffered. I do want you to know that in spite of very high unemployment, there's a big job rotation going on in the U.S. economy, and there are other jobs appearing in the marketplace with industries that are growing while others are shrinking. So don't give up looking for work. Doing a free will, uh, not really, but a very inexpensive one, yes. If your situation is rather simple, the best I know of is a program called Willmaker that, depending on when you buy it and what couponing is available, will cost somewhere between $50 and $100. Read about how it works at nolo.com, N-O-L-O.com. John joins us on the Clark Howard Show, and John... You have an unusual situation going on where you're trying to help your brother, and let's see if I can be of any service to you. Yeah, that'd be great, and thanks, Clark, for taking my call. I'd appreciate it. Certainly. So uh, so my brother um, is uh, 57 years old and trying to help him make a decision on whether or not to sell his house. So the, the situation is that our mother had lived with uh, Rob, but she passed away last year, and she was Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you lost your mom. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks, Clark. Anyway, now that mom is deceased, uh, all the expenses are really falling on Rob. And Rob's uh, income is only about $21,000 a year, and uh, his um, his expenses exceed his net income by about $10,000 a year. So, If he's dealing but, with a big house, I mean, just the house alone could be really expensive. How much does it cost him? for taxes and to maintain the house, pay the utilities. Is there a mortgage, no mortgage on the house? Yeah, they, 
Right. There's no mortgage on the house. Um, all the expenses associated with the house, we're looking at maybe $9,000 a year. Um, and that's property taxes. Uh, okay, so seven fifty a month, but he's exceeding his living costs exceed his income by ten grand a year. So the living costs exceed his income more than even what the house costs for a whole year. Yeah, correct. Ooh, yeah. no. Because I mean, my first reaction in a situation like that where he and your late mom were sharing expenses and so it worked just fine with the house till she passed away i mean the problem is where's he going to go live if he sells the house which would be the first answer but where are you going to live for less than 750 dollars a month well yeah i think he could find a place you know it's only him and he has a, a pet as well that he'd take with him but um what my thought was and some of the options that I want to try to discuss with him uh, and, and with you, obviously, is you think it would be worthwhile if he were to sell his house, knowing that the house is only 14 years old. It's in pretty good shape. Um, but with a 14 year old house, he's anticipating and I'm anticipating, you know, some expenses coming up in terms of. Roofing, yeah, it, it won't it won't stay point. as a nine thousand dollar a year expense living in the house right right what would the house bring in the market did you say probably about two hundred thousand that's a lot of money and does he get all those proceeds or does he split that with siblings no that's all his he owns the house outright and he um and and nothing gets split my mom left in the house in the will so the 200 would would buy him a lot of years of housing um obviously but I'm concerned about the deficit spending because, again, he's deficit spending more even than what his housing costs would represent. So right. that's right. a problem because he'd run out of money even if he goes, you know, gets the proceeds of selling the house, um, goes to live somewhere else. He's still going to run through this money in um, like uh, 12 to 15 years probably. And then what's he going to live on? Because you said he's only 57. Is that what you said? 57. Yes, correct. Yep. Well, he, he does have, uh, counting on Social Security still being there, and he's got some money saved up in some retirement accounts. Um, so he's thinking if he could at least make it till 65 and start. He would he would be Security. able with 200K to make it to 65. Um, mm-hmm. After that, though, it would... Uh, he would probably make it with that much money till about age 70. Um, Mm -hmm. So it definitely buys a reasonable amount of time. He's just got to really watch closely what a rental is going to cost him that he would replace living in the house with. Yeah. So if it costs him seven fifty a month to live in the house with his would a rental that he'd be looking at, would it need to be substantially less than that? That's not, unless housing is ultra cheap where your brother lives, he's not going to be able to get housing costs much lower than that. But again, the money becomes um, a helpful pot of funds to help him pay for living expenses and deal with the deficit spending that will, you're buying a lot of years with that money 
but eventually because he's living on less than what he on more than what he makes that money will evaporate sometime around age 70 but you have bought time you're listening to the Clark Howard show Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.